that. Oh, hell yeah. She's a bad I'm a black man in a white world. I'm a black man in a white world. If I wasn't a Christian man, I'd probably be kicking in your ass. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. While we would all like to work for freedom. Not that kind of freedom, but you can figure out what the heck I'm talking about here next. And more tips to help you here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. In Pennsylvania, a teenage girl that was about to turn 18 was driving her brand new car home when she looked down to check a text message and struck a tree, killing herself and injuring a friend in the car. The average message takes 4.6 seconds to create. Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. Please don't drive while intoxicated or allow your friends and family to do so. No text message or phone call is worth dying for. Find Mike Bryant at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Mike Bryant, seeking justice for the injured. Miami, the Playboy's paradise. Pretty girls, fast cars. That's just a facade. The bridge separates South Beach from my mind. The real money, the MIA, this is where we hustle. Every day I'm hustling, 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 every day I'm, every day I'm, every day I'm hustling. Who you suckers think you're tripping with? Yes, I'm the boss. 745, white on white, that's Rick Ross. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the JB's Low Tech Podcast. In my opening statement, I made a comment about uh, we'll work for freedom. And I, as I stated, it wasn't the type of freedom that most of you were thinking about. And the freedom we're talking about is financial freedom. And the topic we're talking about is uh, side hustles. And a lot of you have them, and a, lot, and a lot of you don't. And we're going to discuss with our guest today, Mr. Nick Looper. And I'd like to thank you for coming on and welcome you to the JB's Low Tech Podcast. John, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yep. So for the novices out there, um, and I do believe the term side hustle was a uh, – has its roots from more urban and ethnic terms, but maybe you can go even deeper than that. Um, what it, what does it mean, and what is a side hustle? Yeah, so broadly speaking, a side hustle is anything that you're doing outside of outside of a traditional job to make extra money. And in previous generations, it may have been called moonlighting, but there's a entrepreneurial connotation with a side hustle that there's some leveraged upside. There is some uh, you know, entrepreneurial aspect that it's going to scale beyond just hours for dollars, if that's what you want. 
And so that's maybe what separates a side hustle from a second job, like delivery pizzas or bartending. And uh, I saw you use the term side hustle economy. What's a side hustle economy? This is, uh, for better or worse, a shift towards people working, people needing multiple income streams to make ends meet. And that's what I mean by side hustle economy, where it used to be a common path to have one employer for 30 years and you get the golden watch at retirement and, you know, sail off into the sunset. Nowadays, we see people kind of piecing it together financially from a bunch of different sources. Maybe they work part-time over here. Maybe they do some online freelancing. Maybe they have a, their own little business uh, that they sell on Amazon or eBay or Etsy uh, on the side and like trying to uh, make that income pie whole through several different sources rather than just one. Well, I have to be honest with you, Nick. I think I have two side hustles myself. One, one is this podcast. Uh, you bet. I um, did uh, morning radio for 22 years in this town, and uh, I was a, um, I wasn't the main voice, but I was a sidekick, if you would say. That would okay. come, come in once a week, and so I got to learn some of the business. And then uh, the main person of the show started a podcast with his family, which I was a part of that for a while, too. So I got to learn how to uh, broadcast and podcast, and uh, so I'm making a little money on the side on that. And also I was an athletic equipment manager for 40 years for uh, college athletics, and one of the skills that I learned was uh, repairing ball For the gloves. golden gophers? Yes. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, you know, your part of the world will be joining my part of the world in a couple of years. So UCLA and USC. But I, <laughs> I digress. Um, I st- uh, started a equipment repair business, mostly ball gloves, and it's grown um, financially 100% each year. So it's been, it's been pretty good. Go ahead. Yeah, that's great. That's a, that's a, you know, a very, it's a great example of a very niche business, but there's still a demand for it. Yeah. um, A lot of people didn't know where to reach, go to and reach for to find somebody to, uh, you know, because I continue to play baseball and I just hung up my spikes, as you would say, this past summer at the age of 60. And as I was was going through, thank you, as I was going through that journey, I always had teammates and opponents who didn't know where to take their glove to, to get it repaired or if even if it was repairable. And I would kind of monkey with it and help them. And I just finally decided, you know, and this was during the pandemic. I just finally um, jumped in with both feet and said, I'm going to do this. Uh, what are the most common side hustles and what what makes people even think of doing those things? Yeah, so at the very low end, and I don't mean low um, in any literal sense, just like easy to start. Maybe we'll call it that instead of like, you know, plug and play side hustles. 
you have all of the gig economy apps, the Ubers, the Lyfts, the Instacarts of the world, the Airbnb hostings, the you know, Rover dog walking services, the neighbor, uh, neighbor.com, like peer-to-peer -peer storage, like Airbnb for storage. You have these kind of built-in platforms that already have an audience of buyers. They've largely been uh, the recipients of some venture capital money. So they've gone out and built this marketplace trying to, you know, find the equilibrium of supply and demand and have built up these. So it's very quick to get started, very easy to kind of, uh, you know, go through their process, sign up. And in, in, especially in the case of like the ride sharing ones, like you're off to the races, like you can start making money very quickly. The downside to a lot of these is, uh, especially like the driving and ride share ones is you're, you know, you're still trading time for money and you're capped by how many hours you can realistically work in a day. And so those are great, you know, stop gaps for a lot of people, or if you have just kind of a, a near-term financial goal that you're trying to hit, like those are absolutely viable. If you're trying to build something a little bit bigger, then you have to look at what I'll call the big three business models, which not just side hustles, but pretty much any business in the world is going to fall under one of these three categories. The first is selling a service. The second is selling a product. And then the third is the audience-based business or the content-based business where you're answering questions through uh, written video content, uh, audio content, uh, social media content, right? You're kind of building up this audience that's paying attention to you for helpful information and then monetizing with advertising, affiliate revenue, or your own products and services. Once you have people's attention, you, you really have a lot of options in terms of how you're going to monetize that attention. Is that uh, age limited? Do I don't think do so. It? I mean... <laughs> it's uh, obviously you know the younger demographics are you know more into the TikToks of the world, which I have yet really to venture into. But the reason I like these types of businesses, and that's where I've spent most of my time playing in the last 10, 15 years, is there's some natural built-in scale and leverage. Where what I mean by that is it takes the same effort to produce a blog post that 10 people read or 10,000 people read. The same effort to produce a video or a podcast episode that 10 people listen to or 10,000 people listen to or 100,000 people listen to. And so it's exciting from that standpoint. And the drawback is, you know, products and services very quick to get started, especially services like, just, you know, you stick your flag in the sand. Hey, I can help you solve such and such a problem. I can cut your grass. I can clean your gutters. I can design your website. I can you know, do freelance editing, writing, whatever it is. Uh, quick to get started, low startup costs with the content-based business. Uh, you know, sometimes you're working for free or super far, so far below minimum wage, not even funny, for, for a long time. But you're doing that in the hopes that eventually it starts to scale and starts to grow beyond just uh, hours for dollars. And uh, not to get personal, have, have you developed any or you dabbled at all? Lots, 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 lots. Um, my first uh, foray in... Um, in business of any kind was a house painting business. So I was painting houses in college and that was you know, my first taste of a service-based business, go out, knock on doors, bid for jobs. And there was like a little bit of a hint of leverage in there. I made the mistake of underbidding a lot of stuff. I was afraid I wasn't going to fill the calendar and stuff. So I did more painting than I was supposed to. Mm -hmm. But, you know, some friends of mine, some colleagues of mine, they were like, you want to go wakeboarding? And I'm like, no, dude, I'm painting. What are you doing? He's like, oh, I got my, I got my guys. I got my crew out there on the site. I'm good. 
like, oh, that's how it's supposed to work. So there's, you know, even in service-based businesses, like if you were selling, you know, selling the deliverable, selling the result rather than your own skills and expertise, then, you know, it frees you up to, you know, hire other people to go out and deliver that work, other qualified professionals. But that was uh, on the service-based side. On the online business side, my first uh, real side hustle was a comparison shopping site for footwear, which would pull in the catalogs from Zappos, Amazon, all these other online shoe retailers and tell you where you can, be, where you can find the best price on your next pair of shoes. And that's I made money on affiliate commissions on those orders that came through. And then you know, really a handful of other projects since then. And then uh, the main focus for the last several years has been the Side Hustle Nation blog and podcast. So how did those companies like Zappo and others feel, feel about you taking their information and um, disseminating it differently to the masses? Yeah, so for them, it was a, a win-win, right? Especially because they're like trying to find new customers, especially at that time. You know, they saw the affiliate program almost as a loss leader, maybe not a loss leader, but they were, you know, paying pretty aggressive commissions mm-hmm. on the hopes that, okay, we might lose money on this first order, but people are going to you know, buy shoes for their whole family or they're going to keep buying us for years down the road. So they were very aggressive through the affiliate program and paying, uh, you know, 10, 15, sometimes 20% affiliate commissions, which on a physical product was pretty high at that time. And now that's kind of, uh, it's scaled back in, in the years since then. But that was uh, incremental, uh, incremental traffic, incremental sales for them. Um, you had a, a term called the buy button, strat- <laughs> buy button st- strategy. Can you tell me what that is? What that's about? You betcha. You've done. You've done your homework here. This is awesome. <laughs> I tried um, to. So. <laughs> So this was, you know, after the course of you know, probably a couple hundred interviews on the Side Hustle show, realized you start to notice some common patterns. And one of those patterns was uh, these entrepreneurs were taking advantage of pre-existing marketplaces. And we mentioned a few of them a few minutes ago in uh, Airbnb or Rover or Neighbor, where, you know, these companies have already invested in building up the, the demand side, the customer side. It's like, okay, so relatively easy for you as a business owner, as a service provider, as a product seller to create an account, create a profile and say, well, here's what I have to offer on this platform. In my case, as platforms like Fiverr, who I started in probably 2014, like, hey, I'll, maybe even 2013, like I started selling a couple of digital products of mine, started selling some freelance book editing services, started selling some website uh, review services, like tons of fun. But, you know, had I been selling it on my own website, crickets, right? Mm-hmm. But going to this audience of buyers that already existed, like all of a sudden was able to get some eyeballs. It's like shrinking the internet in a way where you can take advantage of these like mini search engines where people are looking for what you have to offer. Yeah, I, I tried something maybe similar to that, whereas... Um... I have a website, and I will not give out my <laughs> uh, my only phone number I have tied to this is my own personal phone number. I won't give it out, but I will give out the uh, the uh, ad web address to my website, which will, does have a um, an email, which will connect my business uh, 
people who want uh, repairs to me. So just to drive like some um, eyeballs to the website and whatnot. So I don't know if that was the proper way of doing it, but that was for me one way of keeping a little anonymity, but also getting some eyeballs to my website. It's, it's, uh, what did you think of that? Yeah, that's a hard one. I don't know of the appropriate marketplace to uh, to advertise a baseball glove repair service. It's so niche. Right. Um, but if people are looking for it locally and you can start to show up in the Google search results through the uh, Google My Business listing, start to you know collect a few reviews. Hey, would you mind dropping in a review over here? Here's the link. Um, really appreciate your business. Helps other people discover the service. Then all of a sudden you start to rank, you know, in for the next person who's looking for this service locally. Now the other uh, fortunate thing was I um, got tied into several academies in town for baseball and softball, uh, which were either being run by former coaches that I worked with or former athletes of mine who are now, you know, teaching. Um, skills on the side themselves so it's kind of like their side hustle but to uh, you know as they were working with these young people to say hey you know your glove might need a little repair and this is a guy to um, reach out to um, so I don't know if if you've ever come across where one side hustle may be helping another side hustle. Yeah, that's great. And are they, um, are you sending them like a finder's fee for that? Or is it just like, Hey, you bring me business. I'll bring you business. Kind of just a handshake relationship. Yeah. It's more of that type of relationship. Which is outstanding. And so there's two parts, right? There's the buy button theory, which is kind of like go where the cash is already flowing. But then there's the second marketing piece that sounds like you're doing is thinking of who are your target customers already doing business with? And they're doing business with these you know, athletes and coaches through these different clinics. And that makes perfect sense. We've seen lots of people do this. Um, like in the online space, it would be like, let me host a, you know, an educational workshop for your audience on topic XYZ. I don't, you know, we're not competitors in any way, but kind of like we have complementary audiences or we're trying to serve the same audience. So we've seen some people really shortcut their marketing efforts by getting in front of large segments of their target customers by, you know, by asking that same question, well, who are my target customers already doing business with? How can I get in front of them in a value added way? Yeah. Um, it's really helped me, uh, because it's, you know, it, still a lot of my business word of mouth of like this person, has come through and been satisfied and, you know, they play, their daughter or son plays on a team with somebody and the issue pops up and they refer them to me, you know, somebody glove breaks or something or some other piece of equipment that I may be able to um, fix and um, they refer them to me. Um, what are, or is there such thing as low risk hustles? side hustles? Uh, hopefully all of them are, are relatively low risk, especially if you're working that nine to five job, you have some level of 
financial security day to day, so you can kind of afford to take some swings uh, in your after hours. The way that it was phrased to me, that kind of that really stuck was, it's almost a matter of you're just taking enough swings, right? You minimize your downside, and as long as your upside uh, is high enough, one swing of the bat, you know, one thing that hits erases all the losses. And it's been the same in my case, like everything that I've started, you know, with the exception of the painting business where I bought like a $3,000 truck has probably been less than 500 bucks to get started, at least in its very initial stages. And you've got to reinvest the profits and you grow from there. But it's like trying to validate quickly and affordably before you're too deep into it without spending a ton of money. And that's the way you kind of keep it low risk. Um, like as I stated, I'm 60 years old. <clears throat> Hopefully in the next four and a half years, I will, <laughs> will, uh, will retire. And, uh, do you see a lot of people then take their side hustles that they've been doing before retirement and keeping those to help with the, uh, just living expenses as they move into retirement? Yeah, it's interesting. You can kind of shortcut your, or you can kind of bridge the gap between you know living off your investment income and um, and what you're making at your day job, right? And so you can almost right. pull forward that retirement date. You're like, well, if I just had an extra thousand bucks a month, fifteen hundred bucks, you know, whatever it is in your situation. So we do see some people um, doing that, and we see some other people kind of stepping slowly out the back door at work. They're like, well. You know, when my side business grew, I went down to four days a week, and then I went to three days a week, and then I went to two days a week. And it's like, wow, that's really cool because you it's like a very incremental stair-step approach versus the, yeah, it, this is one of the reasons I started the Side Hustle Show was the entrepreneurial narrative that I was hearing was the, you know, Reed Hoffman style. An entrepreneur is somebody who jumps off the cliff and figures out how to build the airplane on the way down. It's like, that sounds terrifying like there's there's another path there's another path that's probably more viable for the majority of the population so that's kind of how i uh, look at that or how i approach that uh i'm i just found out before before i called you that uh i'm a union employee at the university of minnesota and we just voted to go on strike um october 22nd if things don't take a turn here um okay do you see some side people with side hustles then turning them into taking that unfortunate free time they may have just gotten and um turning the heat up a little bit on their side hustle just to keep keep money coming in and making ends meet gosh we saw a ton of that early pandemic time right like everybody's stuck at home um what am I going to do with this extra time? Some people, you know, took the opportunity to binge everything available on Netflix, and Disney plus and everything else. And other people were like, well, okay, how can I you know, take whatever fledgling idea that I have and see if it has legs? Like it's now or never, you know, there's never been a better time to go do it. We're all stuck at home anyway, especially for an online business. Uh, we had some example, especially, podcast i went to a podcast conference uh this this summer and everybody was like well when did you start they're like oh you know i started in 2020 same as everybody else like hey you know there's no shame in it good for you you're putting work out into the world but we had uh, another woman who was on the show who started a charcuterie board 
delivery business, I guess she was local in Boston and started on her Instagram page and, you know, you know, really good, good product photography, beautifully decorated, all that stuff. And she, you know, made these deliveries and that worked really well. But then she started doing these like virtual team building classes just as kind of a, as a way she put it to like stay sane during the early days of the pandemic. Like, well, what am I going to do? I gotta, I gotta use this time somewhat productively. Otherwise I'm just going to go crazy. Well, I, I learned doing the pandemic cause I started both of my side hustles during the pandemic, even though I was uh, deemed an essential personnel. So I had to go into work at least four hours a day at the university. Um, but I learned listening to Tom Papa and Fortune Feinster's podcast every day, what the heck a charcuterie board was. (laughs) So for those who don't know what a charcuterie board, it's uh, meats and cheeses and other things like that that are displayed very nicely that people will snack on and, and you know, and at parties and gatherings and whatnot, so. It's a fancy, very term, good, <laughs> fancy term for, for you know, a spread. So a spread, yes, a snacking spread. Meats and cheeses is a good way to put it. Fancy meats and cheeses. You ever watched uh, Modern Family? Yes. Yeah, I remember there was an episode where Jay has that same realization. Oh, that's what charcuterie is. I've been avoiding that on menus for years. <laughs> I never heard of it until, like I said, during the pandemic, and I was. I didn't binge a lot of stuff on TV. I binged a lot of podcasts, and um, nice. and uh, and there was one I got hooked into for a while. And they always talked about charcuterie boards, and I was like, "What the heck is that?" And I finally <laughs> one of these trending topics, yeah. Right. Finally, got the nerve to type it into Google. It's like, oh, that's what it is. <laughs> so. Um, so you talk about your side hustles. So it sounds like you're doing a podcast and it also sounds like you wrote a book. You want to talk about those? Sure. There's several books. Um, you mentioned the buy buttons theory. So one of the first books or one of the earlier books was, uh, was buy buttons. That's from 2016. Mm-hmm. It's at buy The broadest where we kind of break down the three business models, product service, and content slash audience uh, in more detail is just called The Side Hustle. That's sidehustlenation.com slash book. That's free on Kindle for anybody uh, in the U.S. store. If you're elsewhere, I, I'm not sure about international pricing stuff, but free on Kindle in the U.S. store. And then most recently was uh, $1,000, 100 ways, which was an awesome exercise in crowdsourcing stories from the side hustle nation community to pull together uh, kind of in parallel, like, you know, answering the same questions. Uh, How'd you come up with that idea? How'd you get your first customers? How else are you marketing this thing? Where, uh, you know, what would you do differently if you had to start over and really kind of compare apples to apples across a bunch of different businesses? And that one was a ton of fun to compile a lot harder than I thought. I was like, this would be the easiest book ever, you know, put out a, Google form and have people submit their stories uh, took a little bit of editing and massaging and back and forth to, you know, turn that into a finished product, but was really happy with the way that that, that one came out and was able to feature a, 
a lot of members of the community in that sense. And then, you know, the main project for the last several years really has been the SideHustleNation.com website and the Side Hustle Show podcast, which is me in most weeks pointing the mic at somebody else and, and asking those same questions. Well, how'd you come up with that idea? How'd you figure out how much to charge for that? Where'd you find your customers? And that was fascinating in 2013 when I started, and it still is today, 500 episodes later. And people can find that on uh, Apple Podcasts and other places, I take it? Yeah, you'll find it in uh, Apple, Spotify, you know, all of your favorite podcast player apps. It's got my smiling mug on there with <laughs> some green cover art. Right. Well, I mean, there, it just seems limit, limitless to me, the whole uh, side hustle <laughs> economy, as you called it. Um, what are, what are creative business ideals that make, uh, that make real money? I, I saw, oh my goodness. I saw, yeah, you're, I can pull up. Go, <laughs> go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to pull a few from the archives that kind of stand sure. out. I mean, one that was uh, a really inspiring story. And we've had Matt on now three, three different times kind of over the, you know, the arc of his business where he started out repairing motorcycles in his garage as, you know, he was working by day as a mechanical engineer in Chicago by evenings and weekends, you know, started out service business ads for dollars ad on Craigslist. I want to say it was, you know, don't take your bike to the dealer. Don't pay dealer rates. Bring it to me. I know what I'm doing. Um, and he was making a few hundred bucks a month doing that. What Matt did that I thought was really cool was set up the camera in the corner of the garage, films himself doing the repairs. And, you know, by at this point now, we're probably 10 years deep into this business. He's got like 100,000 YouTube subscribers right. and making ad money from YouTube. He's making affiliate commissions on his product recommendations. Oh, here's the tool that I'm using. He started selling full engine, you know, rebuild videos as a digital download. So he's making money from that side. And over the course of several years of doing this, you know, the time for money aspect, the, the turning wrenches time, like, faded down to be, you know, you know, 5% of the pie chart, 1% of the pie chart. And he's got all these other income streams that have been built up over time. And I think when we last caught up, he'd introduced his own physical product. He called it like a pressure blaster uh, of some sort that he, you know, had prototyped and, you know, pre-sold to his audience and had it manufactured and everything. So he's really come a long way. And so I thought that was a really, really creative way to, you know, turn a service business into a time leveraged, you know, quote unquote, passive income business over the course of lots of effort and lots of years. Um, there have been a ton. We had another guy who was a high school history teacher in, uh, in New York and his side hustle was renting out portable hot tubs, which I had never heard of, never considered. I was kind of trained to think of a rental business as, you know, you buy a three bedroom, two bath house in a good neighborhood and, you read, you read it out. If, if you can score 1% of the you know, purchase price as a monthly rent, like you did really well. He's like, well, that's cool. But here's a rental business with a lot lower startup costs, a lot quicker ROI. And he said he had a fleet of like 25 or 30 of these hot tubs. He's like, where do you keep these things? Like you got a storage unit. They're in the side yard stacked up. He's like, you know, the most I ever have is, you know, maybe two stacked in the side yard. Like they're always rented out. This is crazy. This is awesome. And made me start looking for used uh, hot tubs around me to see if I could find something 
you had a specific brand that he liked, soft tub or something, and you you know you buy it, you buy it used, you you know fix it up if it needs repairs, and then you go rent it out for two hundred bucks a week or something. I'm like okay, I can see how that pencils out pretty nicely. Um, but there's tons. I can uh, give me a second. I can scroll through and see if any sure. uh, pop up. Uh, well, I I have a couple of friends with hot tubs that they have to fight to maintain and. And I can see where somebody would just say, hey, just drop that off and I'll use it for a couple of weeks and then get it out of here. And they don't have to they don't have to heavily maintain it where it seems like they my two friends, they had to, you know, it was just it's like having a pool in some ways, you know, you got to do this and you got the chlorine and you the the water, the levels and all these different things. So. Yeah, lots of lots of upkeep involved. We had a gentleman who was teaching like after school chess clubs mm-hmm. and you know did that in person and online, like started out doing it, you know, for a low hourly rate as a you know summer camp chess instructor. And so well what if I did this on my own? And what if I did it in a group setting? And all of a sudden instead of you know, this company paying him seventeen bucks an hour, he had you know, 10 or 12 kids with their parents each paying eight or 12 bucks an hour. Like, well, that I'm making five times as much for the same work. So that was an interesting one. He's had people doing, you know, I'm a, I'm a kind of a sucker for like the online business ones where, you know, we had a guy start a, uh, an online blog about bird watching in his backyard and, you know, <laughs> quit his full-time job to do that. Another guy has a site about taking care of houseplants another woman I met was making money, you know, helping kids play video games on the OutSchool platform, another buy buttons platform where it's, you know, kids are looking for a safe place for their, uh, or parents rather looking for a safe place for the kids to hang out online. A lot of academic instruction happens on the site, you know, reading math, science and stuff, but then there's some fun stuff. And she was in that fun stuff category. Like, Hey, I'll sit down and you can play video games or help you level up your Zelda characters and she had a few different ones that she was playing so definitely no shortage of creative ways to make extra money i'm always inspired by those it makes makes my job a ton of fun what what stops or what uh keeps people from at least tempting beyond the fear fear of failure what other the other um factors that are involved and the fear of failure, I mean, time, money, ideas, and then marketing are probably like the big three or big four, um, you know, kind of sticking points that I hear over and over again from the audience. Probably the biggest that holds most people up is waiting for that lightning strike of inspiration with the perfect side hustle idea, which I don't know if it exists. I, I don't know. I think the, the perfect side hustle idea is the one that you're excited enough about to take that first step, even if you don't know steps two through 10. It's just, you know, getting off the sidelines, getting into the game and then seeing what happens. You find that opportunities tend to become visible once you're in motion. Yeah. um, I'm one of those kids growing up who tend to uh, maybe cut lawns as a kid or did, you know, you know, housework for an elderly neighbor whatnot for a little pocket change here and there 
So, I mean, kids yeah. can, you can even start off with, I would think, start off with kids and, and build that, build work ethic and money and all those things. Yeah, we've got a couple of young boys who are trying to instill a little bit of that into them. We had fun going out collecting cans at our old place uh, during the pandemic. Like, well, we'll clean up the neighborhood, take it down to the recycling center. I think we got like $5.50 for them. But they were thrilled. Like, it was, it was like free money, you know. Hey, we got, we got paid to clean this place up. So what... Um... What is the dark, is there a dark side to side hustles um, or side hustling? I would think there could be some creepy people out there. I, was, I wasn't going to go that direction, but <laughs> there, was a, there was a piece in the New York Times a couple of years ago about the con of the side hustle, and it was about glamorizing the necessity of a second income. It was about glamorizing the you know, work 24-7, rise and grind type of culture. And I really agree with that point. It's That one is really challenging. At the same time, hustle for me is control the controllables. It came, actually came from an old baseball coach of mine. You know, you're going to have bad days at the plate. Mm-hmm. You're going to have bad days in the field. But hustle never slumps. Like, it's this one element of your game that you have control over. And so that really stuck with me over the years. But the con of or the side hustle or the dark side of the side hustle is this you know, sacrificing sleep, sacrificing health, sacrificing your family life in the necessity to earn extra money to make ends meet. And hopefully you're, you know, if you're in that position, that is a really challenging place to be. And there's almost this, you know, hold your breath and sprint period where I can just get through the next couple months and see this through to the other side. Like it's going to ease up a little bit. But hopefully most of your listeners are approaching it from the standpoint of this is something that I would like to do rather than this is something that I have to do. Yeah, I know. After my first couple of gloves, I was like, okay, checking my phone, checking my email. No bad news. No bad news. (laughs) No bad news. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, no glove failure, please. And now I'm pretty you know, I'm not going to say that I'm overconfident or anything, but I'm confident enough in myself and my work to know when I get done that people are going to be happy, uh, things are going to perform the way they want them to, the way I I expect them to, and um, that the business would continue to grow be, just because uh, the... Uh, happiness of the um the consumer yeah it's it's almost surprising how fast that word of mouth starts spinning isn't it I mean, ball players no other ball players right. my wife and her partner started a, a photography business they started like doing wedding photography and you know sure enough brides know other people getting married bridesmaids know other people getting married and didn't take long before they started getting client referrals. I was kind of surprised by that. I figured it would have been more of an effort in local SEO, local marketing partnerships with the uh, different venues and stuff. But uh, I, you know, from the very early years, a good chunk of the business was word of mouth referrals. What is the importance of building uh, income streams that, you know, that you control yourself? 
well, your your upcoming union strike maybe is a good example of it. Like right. you just never know what's what the next month is going to look like in terms of job security. But even if the side hustle doesn't replace your day job salary, it's still you know practicing some resilience, practicing some uh, level of proactive uh, effort towards something that you have control over, and it's you know, building building different skills. Like I don't know if my old boss would agree with this, but I felt like my side hustle made me a better employee. I felt like it made me a better worker because even though I was at you know, the bottom rung of this Fortune 500 company, by nights and weekends, I was playing CEO. And so I was able to see you know, some of the big picture, like how different pieces of the business fit together at, at work. And I think it makes, it makes people better workers and hopefully gives them a little bit more financial resilience along the way too. So in your... Uh story gathering and, and meeting of people and people you talk to on on your show, have you met somebody who took a very small idea and had it grow into something really big to the point that they they don't live paycheck to paycheck. And matter of fact, they just live off of that business. Probably the most, I mean, the first example that comes to mind is, you know, real estate investors where, you know, start with one house, you know, improve it, maybe, you know, recycle the money was one of the terms that uh, a friend of mine used, like, you know, cash out, refi, leverage into the next property and kind of start to stack those up and you have positive monthly cash flow on the rent payment versus your carrying costs. That's the first thing that comes to mind from, uh, you know, somebody who's like, you know, living the you know passive income dream off of their business. There are lots of examples in kind of the online space where you you know build up enough web traffic and you're monetized with affiliate revenue, with uh, advertising dollars, display ads on your site. Where you know if, if you don't show up for work today, you know Google is still going to keep humming along. The website is still going to keep humming along, and it and it feels super passive, but you can only let it you know, the internet is a living and breathing place. Like it only sits like that for maybe a few months before, you know, the rankings start to slip because, you know, the people below you on Google are gunning for your rank. They're gunning for your position. So you got to, it's like painting the Golden Gate Bridge in a way. Like by the time you're done, it's time to you know, updating your content and maintaining it. It's time to start back over at the beginning. But there's been some expiring examples in, in the online space. I mean, we mentioned the houseplant blog, the bird watching blog, there's, um, give one other one. We had, we had a couple that was like uh, doing a dinosaur news podcast, which I was fascinated by. Like, what a yeah. crazy niche. Like, are you guys paleontologists? They're like, no, we just love dinosaurs. Like, oh, okay. And is there enough dinosaur news to cover every year? Oh, we're living in a golden age of dinosaur discovery. There's more than enough news to cover every week. Like, all right, that's awesome. But stuff like that. Um, and that's, I mean, in my case, like I feel, you know, book royalties uh, or feel very much passive, right? You know, create the book once, sell it over and over again. Um, you know, create the YouTube video once, have it collect views and, and everything over and over again. It's like this idea of creating little mini digital assets as we're talking about online business that just, you know, go out into the world. They, you know, do your bidding. They can attract viewers and revenue and traffic and email signups 
for sometimes years down the road. And that's very exciting to invest that time up front to create those types of things. And not, a, not all of them hit, but a handful of them do. And it's, it's really rewarding. Can uh, quitting your day job be a goal when starting a, um, a side hustle? Or is that too much to think about at the beginning? I think that's a great goal, if, uh, especially if you don't like your day job. If you're trying to get out, if you're like, ah, I can't stand one more day in this cubicle, uh, then, then yeah, that's uh, absolutely a viable goal. I mean, that was, I don't know if I would have admitted it to myself at the very early days, but like, yeah, that was definitely the goalpost on the horizon for me. And where I think a lot of people kind of get stuck is I need to replace my day job salary. And that's a fantastic goal. But it could also be a little bit daunting, especially if you're, you know, you've been in your career for some time. We call it like the golden handcuff. Like it's hard to walk away from a well-paying job. And thankfully, in my case, I wasn't making all that much. So it was like a lower hurdle to get over. And even lower than that, I wasn't out to replace the day job salary before I gave notice at work. I was out to have a track record of revenue, uh, a track record of profit rather from the business that was at least covering my monthly expenses. Like, okay, I'm not going to have to dip into savings. I've got a little bit of a uh, emergency fund cushion runway. Um, I have this proof that the business has worked for now several months in a row. So I'm you know, confident that will continue to happen. And even if it's not at my salary, salary replacement level yet, I'm confident given an extra 40, 50 hours a week to dedicate to it, I can get it there. I can get it there and beyond. So uh, I love that goal, uh, especially if you're in the position of hating your job. The other you know, maybe mental model or framework to use would be what I call the side hustle snowball, which is itemizing out your monthly expenses from smallest to largest. And, you know, at the, at the very bottom of that list, maybe it's your, you know, your rent, your mortgage, and, you know, these other big ticket expenses. But at the very top of the list, maybe like in, in my case, it's, you know, my dollar shave club, it's my cell phone bill, it's the life insurance payment. It's kind of these like smaller stuff, maybe my car insurance, Kind of like lower ticket stuff where I can try and erase those income or rather erase those expenses with extra income streams. If, well, what could I do this month to zero out my car insurance? And well, maybe it's like selling some stuff out of my garage on eBay or something. Like I just want to erase those expenses. Let's me celebrate those little wins along the way that, um, you know, maybe if my, if my only goal was to, you know, erase the mortgage, like I wouldn't have that. Uh, joy and satisfaction in the, uh, you know, in the path to get there. Well, we can all dream, can't we? Uh, <laughs> um, have you heard of somebody who's like really made it in the world with a, something and de decided to do something else to basically start all over again or start a, a interest? And the one story that befuddles me to this day five years ago the owner creator of Under Armour turned the company over to his uh, for lack of a better term his underlings to start a water taxi company <laughs> have you okay. ever run into something maybe something like that before I'm sure there are examples. I'm, I'm struggling to come up with one off the top of my head. I know a friend of mine runs a really successful online course business where she teaches people how to start their own 
uh, you know, virtual assistant service, uh, you know, virtual administrative support business. And the other day she's like, you know, there are days where I just really want to start a food truck. And we are like, well, that kind of came out of left field, but you know, go for it. So I don't, I'm sorry. I don't have a good example of that uh, off the top of my head. Yeah. I just found it very odd because he was in under armor, still alive. It's, it's had its struggles lately, but, and he had to come back to the business, I believe. But um, yeah, all of a sudden, at one of our national equipment managers convention, the word was that he was stepping away, and we found out it was to start up a water taxi company. And we were, I was like, huh? <laughs> but I guess yeah, didn't, the heart didn't see that one coming. Right, the heart wants what the heart wants. Um, oh. go ahead. I was going to say, what, what we see more commonly is a slight pivot to something you know, related to the business. Um, like my you know, friend started out you know, writing uh, self-published books, writing Kindle books, then started blogging about the business of you know, writing and marketing Kindle books, and then graduated into selling a you know, specialized keyword research software for authors, kind of like leveling up the value chain you know, every step of the way or trying, you know, targeting a slightly different segment and serving them in a slightly different way. Like that's what I see more commonly than just like starting something completely out of left field. Well, as we close here, what would you tell people or the one, two, threes or ABCs of starting their own side hustle? ABCs. I think what we are kind of taught to think about in terms of coming up with a side hustle idea is to look for these, you know, you kind of picture the Venn diagram of your interests and your skills and, you know, what you can get paid for. And then your side hustle idea that is unique to you is like this magical, you know, intersecting part in the middle of those three circles. And what we find for a lot of people is like, well, my interests over here, my skills are off the other quarter of the page. And then like what I've been paid to do is like, you know, this tiny little, you know, thing that isn't connected to either of those. And if that's the case, then I think you have to look uh, at the, uh, go through what I call like the what sucks exercise, where instead of trying to find this, you know, magical miracle, unique side hustle for you is instead become an expert pain or problem finder. Because if you can find pains, problems, annoyances for other people, you're gonna have business ideas for days. What this looks like in practice for me is just a notes app on my phone where I you know, normally like to be more of an optimistic guy, but like you got to put on your pessimist hat for this one. And you're making a note of every annoyance that you encounter over the course of your day, over the course of your week, everything that you find you, yourself complaining to, to your spouse, everything your spouse is complaining to you about, everything your coworkers, everything you're like, kind of just, you know, what are they you know, what are they annoyed with? Because on the other side, and for bonus points, like you, you can go talk to friends, neighbors, uh, colleagues, business owners, and ask them, you know, what hurdles or what struggles are they facing right now? And like, you know, you might find some interesting answers. Well, you know, it's really hard to, you know, fill in the blank right now or something. And like, okay, on the other side of that pain or problem, there might be a business opportunity to go out and solve it. And like, I like to give the example of, a dirty house is a, is a common problem around here. You know, we've got two young kids. And so we could go buy cleaning products, right? We're going to fall under one of these three categories. We go buy cleaning products. 
we can go hire a cleaning service, or we can consume you know, educational cleaning content on how to declutter your house, how to stay organized on YouTube. I'm sure there's a million videos about that. And so those are you know, entrepreneurs on the other side of that problem, kind of tackling it from different angles. But that's how I would recommend most people start, is start, you know, put on your, your problem finding hat rather than your business idea finding hat. You find that the, in the solution to those problems, you might have that business idea. Well, I want to thank you for all the information today, Nick. And um, is there anything that we, I've left out that maybe you want to touch? I think you are a very gracious host. I appreciate the time that we've had together. Uh, we mentioned the Side Hustle Show a few times. I would be honored if you would go and check it out. You'll find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcast app. And then just if you're in that idea hunting phase, sidehustlenation.com slash ideas is a good place to go. There's no opt-in required over there. This is just, you know, 101 side hustle ideas to hopefully get the creative juices flowing. And uh, is there a way people can contact you directly? Sure. On the website, I think there's a contact form on there where I'm most active on social media is through the Side Hustle Nation Facebook group. So sidehustlenation.com slash FB will get you over there. Or if you search Side Hustle or Side Hustle Nation on Facebook, it should pop up. Yeah, I'm looking at that site right now. And and uh, there is a, I think at the very bottom there was a, yeah, a contact uh, link. So, well, again, Nick, I want to thank you. And, uh, and I want to thank you personally because you uh, verified some things I've been doing lately <laughs> and uh, make me feel good about what the heck I've been doing and, um, and that things, like I said, things are growing for me and I really, um, it makes me feel good to, to hear that I'm, that I'm not just spinning my tires, I guess I would say. Well, that's a great business that you mentioned. It's like I have you know, re-laced my glove you know, probably three or four times because like, if, it ever, if it ever died, I would probably just retire because like, it's already so broken in. It's, it's paper thin, so I don't know if you have anything <laughs> to combat that and yes, add a little more padding back into do. it. I but like, padding. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so, you know, I know exactly how it's going to feel and it's just like, oh man, I blew out some of the laces. It's like, no, I can't, this can't be happening. Yeah, I've uh, restored uh, some gloves from the 50s and 60s, and um, I've added padding. I've uh, reattached uh, broken straps where people thought the glove was lost, all types of things. So, And I list all those things in my, on my website, and that's part of the reason why I have a website is to also give all the information of all the different things I can do that a business card could never do. So at least for me, that's, um, that's the reason why we, I have a, a website. Uh, once again, I want to thank you. And, uh, again, one more time, best way to catch you is, uh, we're at, SideHustleNation.com is the home base. I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, come on by. All right. And I will take a listen 
to your show and uh, see if there's anything else I can gain from it. I really want to thank you, you for your time. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Have a good day. When you need someone to listen, a lawyer you know and trust. Congratulations to all the Minnesota businesses that scraped through the last year. It sure hasn't been easy, but we've done it together. And while we certainly need to move forward, it's good to reflect on what we've been through and the many losses. Here at Bradshaw and Bryant, we held a lot of Zoom meetings, increased our phone calls, and have done our best to keep up with all the changes while continuing to provide quality work. We'd like to thank everyone that turned to us with their personal injury and criminal needs, as well as the courtrooms for bringing the community back together to serve justice. We look forward to being part of Minnesota's growth and success for many years to come. I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. I hope you're never injured in a collision, but if you are, don't sign anything till you've talked to us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Seeking justice for the injured. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to JB's Low Tech Podcast. I'm sorry, I had to do it. I had to play the song by Van McCoy uh, <laughs> to the hustle as we wrap up today's show about side hustles. Don't give up on your ideals. Turn them into dreams. Turn them into possibilities. Turn them into money, as I've done with my... Uh, with my side hustles, one is this podcast and the other is the uh, equipment repair business, which uh, keeps growing every, it has grown every year by, I think it's, and I don't mean to brag, but I think it's about uh, 50% or more that it's grown. So just on a conservative side, so just trying to keep it going until I retire and then have it help me get through retirement. Well, again, thank you for listening. Remind you, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, and all type of other places I can be heard on. Also, again, want to thank my guest, Nick Looper, and that's 1-O-L-O-P-E-R. And also thank my sponsor, Bradshaw and Brian and my friend Mike Bryant for their sponsorship. Until next week, have a good week. And remember to always listen to the JB's Low Tech Podcast. JB is my name and f***ing up motherfuckers is my game. Right on. Negro, black, African American, black, black, black. Django. J.B. Damn.
Dolomite. Great God in heaven, you know We are great Negro sex machine.